Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So I want to tell you a little bit before I get into my message. My Colleen Jackson and myself, we were in Bolivia for, for a while. And um, I've got a ton of pictures. I'm not sure if, if I, I, I sent them to the guys. I'm not sure if they were able to process them. But whether they did or not, doesn't matter. Um, you know, uh, somebody said to me, boy, you had a long vacation. And... Um, <laughs> So let me tell you a little bit about my vacation. Um, it was awesome being with our daughter, Joelle, and she sends her greetings to the church. Um, as we talk about what God's doing in WCF, uh, it stirs in her heart, and there's a longing to just want to come back. Um, and um, so, um, but yeah, she sends her greetings. She loves you, and she thanks you. For those who do know her, who are praying and, and sending support, she appreciates a lot. Um, she is involved in a uh, counseling um, ministry to women with uh, battered and abused women. And uh, Bolivia, and in fact, Tarija has the highest percentage of abused women in, in all of Bolivia. And um, it's, uh, I can't remember exactly what the numbers are of the, the percentage, but I think it's like 45% or something like that, um, which, is, which is really, really sad. Uh, and there's very little being offered in, in support of them. Um, so that's what she's there for. And um, so while we were there, we had an incredible opportunity to, to instill in uh, her teams. She's been developing ministry teams there to be able to speak into their lives, um, leadership development training, and uh, I also had the opportunity in the church that Colleen and I helped establish. We went through, in the amount of time we were there, we went through the entirety of uh, Design to Lead, which is what's happening uh, through Culture Redefined on Wednesday evenings. Um, and I'm not sure how many of you were aware, but it's 20, we- 20 sessions of material. And um, I went through all of that in uh, just a very brief amount of time with leaders in the church. And, but before I did that, I also had to translate it, um, which was, was a little bit taxing. But I was on vacation, so it was all good. Um, and, uh, but on top of that, we were able to enjoy on Saturdays. Jackson did all his schooling from Bolivia, uh, but on Saturdays, he wasn't in school, so we took advantage and we went exploring and we did some mountain climbing. Um, and... Uh, and uh, we also went, uh, we took a week at the very end of our vacation, and we took vacation. And we went to Salar de Uyuni, which is the largest salt flats in the world. And um, it was actually absolutely incredible. Um, I think we were around um, 17,500 feet above sea level and um, loving it. Yeah, it was hard to breathe. The sun was hot. And... Um, but it was an incredible time. I'm not sure if one of those pictures passed through. Um, thanks for your prayers. 
and uh, it's awesome to be back. And I, I, this is the first time for me on this new stage, and I'm looking like, I like to move around, and I'm wondering, do I have to go to those edges to get down? Yep. <laughs> wow. But then I have to go to the edge to get back up. You know, we're, we, we're going through a series called The Apostles' Creed, and um, I'm not exactly sure. I, I can't remember I, all the messages, what's been said exactly about the Apostles' Creed. Um, but sometimes we may wonder, you know, Apostles' Creed, that's old. You know, it's ancient. Um, can't we go through something a little more current, more traditional? And, um, but you know, every one of the statements that have been worked through are statements that we we declare as ours. Dale, I heard your message from Bolivia. It was awesome. Let's go through it. Help me out. I believe in the Father Almighty, creator of, and in Jesus Christ, his only, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the and born of thee, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. My screen just went blank. He descended into the third day he, from the dead, he ascended for into and is seated at the, of God the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge thee. I believe in thee. And now today's, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints. Note, small c Catholic. The Holy Small C Catholic Church, the communion of the saints. Before I get into that, um, I, in the messages that I was watching and listening to, um, I don't know that anybody really focused on this. But you know, I want to talk as an introduction here. The statement, those two words, I believe. I, I think it's very, very important that we emphasize, before we get into the rest of the message, these, this statement, I believe. Because it is, they're words that we use without even really thinking. If I was to get up in the morning and I was say, would say, I believe it's going to rain today. But if I go out without my umbrella, do I really believe it's going to rain? No. Yeah, not really. So when we say I believe in something, it's not just two words in the English language. Those two words define the entirety of our existence. They define the very reason why you came into this building this morning. I have, am not a person who's shy to talk about my faith. And um, I, I can remember many conversations with individuals talking about my faith, talking about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And they say, well, well I believe in God. I believe in God. So, James 2 verse 19 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, 
Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in fear. Do you know, it is critically important we understand what it is we believe. Critically important. It's a matter of life or death. You say, you believe that God is sovereign. Daniel 5, 21 references this. And there's so many other verses that reference it as well. But what happens when your child is sick? What happens when your spouse issues you divorce papers? What happens when a loved one is on their deathbed? We forget that God is sovereign sometimes. We say... We believe that God is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Isaiah 41.10. And there's so many other passages that reference the same thing. And yet, when we lose our job, everything seems to be falling apart around us. Do you notice, a lot of the songs we sang, as I'm sitting here worshiping in the, in the music... I'm noticing a lot of the words and phrases that we're singing are phrases or declarations that, that are in my message. Do you know, I want to tell you, why, is it, why do we worship? Do we, is it not to praise and glorify our Father in heaven? Is that not why we sing? I want to tell you something. Can you put this one up? Zephaniah 3.17. You ready for this? The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Your father in heaven is singing praises over you. Because he loves you. Because the words that he says are true and amen. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so if we don't believe that, or if we say we believe it, but then we live another life of fear, we are not walking under the blessing of our father. You know, I'm going to leave that because I could keep going and do a whole message just on that. Over the last couple of months, we've been making statements together. On the Apostles' Creed. And the statement that we're making today is the statement I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints. It's interesting, I was having, in preparation for this, talking with different people um, in Bolivia as well as here uh, about these statements. If I, when I say I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, Where does your mind go right away? The Roman Catholic Church. Right? Oh, pastor, I don't know. I can't say I believe in that. No, 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 no. Hang on here. Time out. There you go. Right? Are you with me? So let me break it down word by word. we can agree on the fact that we're talking about the church today. Correct? We're talking about the church. 
Is the church holy? Second Timothy 1 verse 9. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because it was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. We're called to be holy. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who called on the name of our Lord Jesus, their Lord and ours. Okay. Honestly. When you take a look at the church, is it holy? Let's just be honest here. Putting aside what we say we believe, but when we look, do we see a holy, perfect church? No. We don't. And so we need to validate our belief system. What is it that we really believe about the church? Because I'm telling you that that word holy will be the difference of how you're going to walk out of this building today. So let's go to the second word. Catholic. Small c. Catholic is a Greek word. Catholicos, and it means not Roman Catholic, it means universal. It means universal. In fact, if you break apart the Greek word, there's actually two words that make up that one Greek word, Catholicos. And, I, and I'm not going to say the words because I didn't write them down, and I I kind of remember, it's, it's kataholos or something like that. But I don't know Greek, so don't, don't count on it. <laughs> but I do know what it means. Those two words together mean together always. And you can actually find it in scripture. Acts chapter 9 or chapter 1, verse 9, or 9, verse 1. I didn't write it down either, so I can't remember. (laughs) But it's there. I know it is. But the thing is, it's describing a universal church. That means that whether you are worshiping in these four walls, or whether you're worshiping in four walls down the street, or four walls around the world in Bolivia, we worship the one and same God, and we are part of the same family. So I, I want to talk about five distinct metaphors that we find describing the church in Scripture. And interestingly, 
these metaphors, some of them, many of them, if not most of them, have been referenced in the messages prior in regards to the Apostles' Creed. The first one, and I'm, gonna write, I'm just going to reference the scriptures and, and talk about them. If you're taking notes, you may want to just write them down so that you can go back and, and, and read them later. But the first one is body. The church is described as a body. Okay? In Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, it talks about how we are all one body with many parts. And it also talks about how if we are a part of the body, is there any part that we don't need? No. We need every part. And so we cannot say that one has more importance than another because it also talks about how the parts that we deem less important are often more important. Do you know, in a research in regards to ministries within the church building, which is the most important? It is a trick question. It is a trick question. You know, Des, along with many others, they, they know me well. When I ask questions, a lot of my questions, they have, they have some, some foundation to it, and it, they can be trick questions. So here's what the study showed. Specifically for new people coming into the church, the ministry that they deemed most important, greeters and the cleanliness, those cleaning the church. Those were the top two most important ministries that were deemed by newer people in a church. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes, you know, and, and, and I bring emphasis to that only to point out this very, this very fact. Every part of the body is critically important. Critically important. Never, ever feel like you are disvalued because you don't have an important enough role. Never. Second metaphor, bride. Pastor Mary talked about this on Easter weekend. Bride. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2. We are the bride of Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back for a pure bride. Spotless bride. Third, family. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'm going to do that later. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. The passage references the significance of inviting the Gentiles, Gentiles to be part of that family. You know, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Is this the right passage? Yeah. yeah. It's not, but that's okay. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Jesus Christ. We are all one 
one family. The next one, temple. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17. You are a temple. That's right. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's significance to this. Well, we're going to come back and you'll get it. Okay, Pastor RJ, don't send me messages. It's throwing off my, my thing here. <laughs> Is this what you go through? <laughs> People sending you messages while you've got your notes on? <laughs> he, yeah, I know. I got it. <laughs> it's... Uh, what did he say? It's Galatians 3, verse 38. Or 28. Yeah, 28. There we go. Thank you, Pastor RJ. Yeah, holding me accountable. That's good. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay, the last one. Lampstand. I bet you, you wouldn't have thought of that one. We are a lampstand. Revelation 1, verse 20 talks about the church as the lampstand. So we are the holy Catholic church. That was the first part of this phrase. The second part is the communion of the saints. The holy Catholic church describes what the church is. The communion of the saints references what the church is does. When we first hear the word communion, I can only imagine that I don't have them here, but you're probably thinking it's time to take out those little cups, right? That's not what communion means. The communion of the saints speaks specifically to the way the local body relates with those around them. With, though, with God the Father, we have communion with the Father, and we have communion with one another. But let's dig into this, because this is where it really gets interesting. Zach Zender, now Zach Zender, I, most of you probably won't have a clue who Zach Zender is. But I have become passionate about Right Now Media. I love Right Now Media. And I'm going to put a plug in for Right Now Media right now. Right now. Right Now Media is a tool that provides resources to help us grow and mature in our Christian walk. They're tools <clears throat> that we can use personally or in groups with your family. Zach Zender has a study in Right Now Media. It's entitled Reopening Christianity. Okay? In, and this is what he says. Before a global pandemic had swept our nation and world, our collective witness of Jesus to others was at best a shadow of what it ought to have been. 
sadly, the people we are trying to reach sometimes characterize us as the exact opposite of the one that we are pursuing after. How could this be? Jesus is known for grace, good works, unity, and love. His followers have been known for judgment, hypocrisy, division, and hatred. We didn't miss the mark by a little. We completely misfired. John Ortberg, in a study that he's done on the book of Acts, states, Today some people think of the church as a powerless institution made of ancient traditions and stuffy buildings. And if you don't think that this is true, let me, go, let me show you more. According to a Barna study, this is what it states. Among those who say church is not important, two in five say church is not important because they can find God elsewhere. One third say it's because church is not personally relevant to them. One in three simply find church boring. One in five say it feels like God is missing from church. Ouch. Do you know, I can't even count the number of times I've heard comments like this. I'm not getting anything out of church. Church was boring today. We have been very discouraged with church lately. It's almost like the Holy Spirit has left the church. These are real statements. Is it okay if I am completely honest with you this morning? If you have at any time made statements like this, can I ask you to take a moment right now and get on your knees and ask for forgiveness? Amen. Father, forgiveness for we for the things that we have done that we aren't aware of. That's not an exact quote, but it was in that song, nothing else. Maybe you feel like the church has failed you because you have failed the church. Let me put it to you another way. When you think of the church or when you think about church, do you look at it as a way of fulfilling Christ's desire for his kingdom here on earth? Or do you look at it for what you can receive from it personally. Let me tell you, you are the church. Did you hear me? You are the church. When we get into a pattern of being negative or criticizing the church, what we inevitably are doing is we are criticizing ourselves. We are criticizing our lack of involvement to make a difference. And worse yet, we are criticizing the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Later on in this Barna study, it states... 
there are more than one-third say their negative perceptions of church are a result of moral failures in church leadership. And substantial majorities of millennials who don't go to church say they see Christians as judgmental, hypocritical, anti-homosexual, and insensitive to others. This is what people are saying. When asked to describe what the church should look like, almost 50% reflected a place of fellowship and communion. Isn't that exactly what we are declaring? The communion of the saints? So what does that look like? Wow. Okay, I'm going to go real fast. Seven things. And then I've got another nine or ten or twelve things after that. (laughs) An exclusive fellowship where every person matters. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31 references the fact that we are all part of the same body. Okay? An exclusive fellowship where every person matters. What does that look like? When you go out, do you go out, let's get out of here. Let's go get dinner. Or do you pray, Father God, whose hearts do you want me to impact and touch today with a word of encouragement, with something nice? Just say hi. Two, a holy fellowship set apart from the world. Do you know so many people try to keep one foot in church and one foot in the world? In the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, it's amazing what we can learn about the church from that because there are so many warnings. There are more warnings in the letters to the churches than there are encouragements. Did you know that? Is it possible that we as a church have walked away from the calling that God has planned for us? Third, a Christ-centered fellowship. Galatians 2 verse 20. It's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And so I need to learn to die every day so that I can be the church that Jesus wants me to be. The less of me, more of him. Are you ready to die? I know that's a, that's, that's a hard question. But it's a question we need to ask every morning when we wake up. Lord, I am willing to die for you today. May I be the vessel that you want me to be today. And it's not just a Sunday thing. This is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing as well. Fourth, a family fellowship. Families aren't perfect. (laughs) My family's not perfect. Is your family perfect? Do you know something that, that um, I learned that totally blew me away about family? We believe that every human being is created by God. Is that correct? So 
as a creation of his, is it not fair to say that they are all part of his family? And if they are part of his family, is it not our job to help restore our family members into fellowship with him? Is that not our job? They are estranged. Not because of his doing, but because of their decision or lack of it. Or maybe they don't know because we haven't told them. But they are a part of our family that we need to restore into a loving, devoted, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Fifth, a supportive fellowship. 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 17. This passage talks about Paul's defense going into um, uh, in, in Rome when he's defending himself. Nobody came up to show up to support him. And it, it's, it's, it says that in the Bible, that no one came to support him. We need to be supportive one of another. Six, a growing fellowship. The passage that Jeremiah read, referenced, and numbers were added daily. When we are the church, when we are living to be, or living the church that we're supposed to live, not just doing church Sunday morning, but when we are actually living church every day, Maybe they won't come right away, but through our impact and through our influence, the numbers will come. And the last one, grace-oriented fellowship. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Do you know, I have not found, I've never lived in a period of time where more Christians are down and depressed and struggling than now. Do you know, if you are struggling today, if you are feeling discouraged today, may I encourage you, when you go home, make your house a house of praise. Make your house a house of prayer. May your home be a living church. And I'm telling you, it will chase those worries and cares away. Yes. It's when we allow our mind to get focused on the wind and the waves around us that all of a sudden things feel like they're falling apart. Okay, I better move on here. Well, actually, last Sunday they went, like, what, two hours overtime? <laughs> so this is going to be good. <laughs> do you know, if you want to know, if you want to know what it is that we are to do as a church, do a study on the one another's. Do you know how many passages there are in the New Testament that reference one another? 59. That's right, 59. Now, 17 of them 
state to love one another. Okay? Four state to greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, can I tell you? When we're in Bolivia, COVID or no COVID, everybody greets with a holy kiss. They just do. Four times it's mentioned in the New Testament. Four. And four times it says to encourage one another. Every other reference is something different. But that tells me there's importance to love. There's importance to kissing. I like that one. And there's importance to encouraging one another. But listen, wash one another's feet. John 13, verse 14. Ooh, but their feet are dirty. But you know what? Washing one another's feet. You know, um, over the Easter um, season, Colleen and I watched a devotional on Right Now Media by Kyle Eidelman. Oh my goodness. They showed actual depictation of the Easter season with Jesus and, and the preparation with the disciples. Knowing that Judas Iscariot was going to betray him, he knelt down and washed his feet. Wow, what an example. Honor one another above yourselves. Notice, above yourselves. Like it talks about in Philippians 2, consider others as more important than yourself. This is Romans 12, verse 10 that I was referencing. Live in harmony with one another. There's no time for division. I have never seen the church more divided than I do now. This isn't about that. Get your minds off the division and let's focus on unity. If we focus on being the church that Jesus Christ has called us to be, and may that be our priority, we can come together. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Listen, we're not always going to agree. Can we agree to that? We're not always going to be in agreement with everything and everybody. But we can love them. We can accept them as a brother or sister in Christ. Have equal concern for each other. Carry each other's burdens. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Philippians 2, 3. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against another. Listen. We're going to go into communion here in just a moment. But listen, in, um, for, in Corinthians, where the passage where it's talking about the Lord's Supper, it says, if you have a grievance, first go and make it right, and then come to the Lord's Supper. Amen. Forgive. Encourage one another. Spur one another toward love and good deeds. Don't grumble against each other. Pray for each other. Each one of you should use the gifts that you have been given who have received to serve others. 1 Peter 4.10. Listen, every single one of us have a gift. 
I can't tell you how many times I've heard, I don't know what my gift is. Let me tell you, if you don't know what your gift is, get involved so that you can figure it out. In the Westminster, Westminster Confession of Faith, it is stated, this was written in the, in the mid-1600s. It says, all saints, say it with me, all saints that are united to Jesus Christ, their head, by his spirit and by faith, have fellowship with him in his graces, sufferings, death, resurrection, and glory. And being united to one another in love, they have communion with each other's gifts and graces and are obliged to the performance of such duties, public and private, as do conduce to their mutual good, both in the inward and outward man. Now, I know you're stuck on that word obliged. But let me tell you, obliged is not in reference to what we have to do, but what we have the privilege of doing because of Jesus Christ. Now I'm at the conclusion. I have three Three application points. Commit yourself to the communion or fellowship of the saints by getting involved in a small group. I can't tell you how critically important it is to surround yourself with others. For many, it can become your lifeline. And if it's not for you, it's for them. Because God has given you a story to tell. A story to impart. By the Holy Spirit, he will use your story. He will use your pain to bring healing to somebody else. Commit yourself to the communion of the saints by working through relational problems. If you are in odds with somebody, please, I implore you. Don't hold back. Let go of your pride and make it right. And lastly, commit yourself to the communion of the saints by ministering to the saints. Get involved. And when I say get involved, understand clearly, I don't necessarily mean that you have to get involved in the church. We would love you to be involved in the church. But you know what? We are here Sunday and Wednesday. That's only two days. And it's not even the whole day. When I say get involved, I mean be available to minister to your na- in your neighborhood. Minister in your workplace. Minister when you're walking on the street. And sometimes God may direct you to go somewhere specific. If we're asking, Father God, what is it you want me to do today? Show me, Father. I want to be obedient. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4. These are harsh words. Don't be selfish. Your life is not about you. Your life is about the kingdom of God. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others with how good of a Christian you are. Be humble. 
Consider others above yours better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Philippians tells us how to know God's joy in every circumstance. We will know joy by knowing the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ through the gospel so that we grow in communion with him. We will know joy by getting our focus off of ourselves and onto others so that we have fellowship in God's grace with other saints. And we will know joy by bearing witness of his glorious gospel to those who are lost. James 1 verse 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. You know, when we talk about the church, when we think of the church from the perspective of only Jesus, church is for Jesus Christ. Church is for the fulfillment of his glory here on earth. The church is to expand God's glory, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Everywhere. But we can't do it alone. We need the Holy Spirit. And where's the Holy Spirit? He's in us. Activate him. Give him an opportunity of doing what only the Holy Spirit can do. If all we do is what we can do, we are failing the Holy Spirit. Do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And when you do that, it's amazing what happens. Colleen, come up here. And I need you to bring those two communion things. <sighs> Let's stand together. You know, it's hard to imagine. Can we ever live up to the standard that Jesus Christ set for us? I mean, honestly. He allowed, he willingly allowed himself to be beaten. He allowed himself to be rejected. He allowed himself to be scored to the point of being unrecognizable. Are we willing to die for Jesus so that his kingdom can rule through us into the lives of others? When we participate in the Lord's Supper and the taking of this bread, honestly ask yourself this question, Father God, I'm standing here before you right now with this bread in my hand and I know, I know Lord that this is a remembrance of you and everything you have done but Lord may I remember not just the fact that you talked about it but may I remember what you did for me what you did for me you died so that I can live Father God today may I die so that somebody else can live Thank you, Father, for this bread. And as I partake of it, Father God, I'm remembering everything. Your broken body, broken for me, rejected for me. It is not I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me.
in that, I reflect the graces of God. Thank you, Father. Let's eat together. When Larry asked me to come up here and help him, I was like, I can't do that. I can't come up here. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I can't tell you how many times I have, I ha, I've refrained from taking communion because I felt like I was not good enough. Um, we just celebrated Easter, so it's fresh in our minds what Jesus did for us. And I just want to ask that question today. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there? Think about it. Were you there? I was there. I can tell you that. And I deserve to die for my sin. I totally do. But Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When I think of that day and the blood Jesus shed for us, I can identify with that thief on the cross. I totally can identify. Luke 24, 41 to 43 says in the words of one of the thieves on the cross, we deserve to die for our sins, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. I, like that thief, deserve punishment and death for my sin. And I, like that thief, have come to realize my own sin. And I can't save myself, and nor can you, unless we humble ourselves and place our lives in his hands. And when I think about that, I just want to sing. I just want to sing. I don't know if any of you remember the old hymn, Glory to His Name. Glory to his name. There to my heart my, was the blood applied. Glory to his name. And Jesus, I thank you so much for your sacrifice for us on the cross. I thank you for what you did for us. I don't deserve. I don't deserve your salvation. But I'm so thankful for what you did for us. And Jesus, I just pray that we would, you would give us the strength to go forward and to share your love with others and to share what you did for us. Jesus, I just pray that you would go forward with us as we leave this place, that we can be the church, we can be what you have called us to be, not just within this building, Lord, but to the world around us. Let's partake. Thank you for your participation this morning. May God bless you.